Today, I'm going to share a message with you that uh, will speak to each and every one of you right where you are. Because what we all have in common is we're people. We are very human. Turn to somebody and say, yeah, I am very human. And being human, we have needs. And the sooner we get there to acknowledge we have needs, the healthier we're going to be. Sometimes as we're younger, we feel like we can whip the world. and We don't need anybody, anything. But it doesn't take long before you realize that you need help along the way. And to get to that place where you express vulnerability, not only to God, but to somebody else. How many knows the Bible tells us to bear one another's burdens? Not just expressions of wants, but burdens. And so with that in mind, I want you to uh, think about where you are right now. And if somebody walked up to you and asked you, those of you streaming as well, are you feeling good today? What would be your answer? Well, for a lot of us, we would just immediately say, I'm good and walk right on and never give it a thought. Others of us would not be able just to immediately do that because we are in the moment struggling emotionally, physically, spiritually, and we'll just either put our head down and try just to answer something to get past the moment. If it's somebody that knows us and knows us well, we may actually share with them, no, I'm kind of dealing with this, dealing with that. But then it comes back to this question, am I feeling good And do I know that? Is it something that I want if I don't have that? And if no one walks up and asks me a question, how do I feel about myself today as I'm just thinking about myself, what I need to accomplish this day? Now, you may think that that is one simple statement, one simple collection of statements. But when you think about it, it is major. Because how we feel is how we act. Turn around to somebody and say, man, that is so good. (laughs) And if we go into denial, then we're not dealing with whatever we're dealing with. We're just stuffing it. We're pushing it off. We're procrastinating. So you got to ask yourself, am I fulfilled where I am? Am I at least accomplishing? Am I getting toward a goal? Am I growing in Christ? Am I growing in my marriage? Am I growing in life? Am I growing in business? Am I increasing, it's a big one, the number of friends that I have? Am I interested in meeting new people and risking getting to know them? How many knows sometimes you meet somebody and after a while it's like, man, I don't know if I should have ever met them. And then there's others we care for so deeply. And we find out that they're struggling with something, and now they feel like, I can trust you. You're, you've become a friend, and they share with you physical ailments, or some of their kids aren't living right, or struggling financially, and they start sharing it with you. And it's amazing how you would have thought, I don't want to hear somebody else's burdens, but I'm glad this person's sharing with me. They're entrusting their life with me, and I am going to pray with them. Something starts happening to us because we realize we don't really want to be selfish every day, all day long, do we? 
This means yes. Because that's one miserable life when it's all about you all the time. So I want to lay something else with this foundation. I go back to it every once in a while. Some of you will recognize Maslow's study on the basic needs of life. What I want to share with you, there are five of them that he came up with, and they're very good, and there's something that if you don't know this, you need to look at, and they're needs of motivation. And that is we need to know that we're safe, and so we need to know that we have food, that we have air to breathe, that we have shelter in that. Then there is that next level, higher above that. It is a pyramid, by the way, so that base is the, is the survival. Then you get into safety. As long as I know I'm going to survive, I want to know I'm secure. And once I get past that, I want to belong. How many knows being alone is miserable? And then we get to the next two, but they are on a shelf just above the other three, and it is self-esteem, and it is ultimate contribution, or self-actualization, as some studies would put it. Now, again, I'm not going to try to be a teacher here today, just, but this is a foundation. Because you've got to understand, if you're here today and you're a teenager, or if you're up in your 80s, somewhere in between, this is important to know every day of your life, every chapter of your life, everything that you go through. You're constantly asking yourself, are my needs being met? You see, we get motivated as we realize, that, yeah, my needs at that foundation are being met. I'm able to eat today. I've got food to eat. I've got air to breathe. I've got shelter over my head, and I don't have to walk around in the buff all day long. I've got clothes. Somebody say hallelujah for that. And that motivates you. Can you imagine, really, honestly, wondering about, am I going to be able to eat today? Where's the next meal coming from? And these old tattered clothes, I'm embarrassed to go out in public. I can't get another job because of the way I look. You see how that is motivational, that you get a new set of clothes, you're able to eat a good hot meal, and now to know, hey, I got hired, or I joined this team or I met some other people, I belong. You see how these things begin to catapult us in motivation. But you understand our God understands that very well, and he offers that in salvation. Because we realize as well, I want to survive eternally. And he's offered me a place called heaven. And in that, I'll be secure in him. And in that, I am motivated to realize I belong to the family of God. I'm a child of the Most High God. You see, it parallels with each other. And then you get into this next level. Those were the lower needs of motivation. Then you get into self-esteem and you get into self-actualization. And it's the same thing in the body of Christ. It's the same thing in growing in Christ to realize, wait a minute. The study shows that only about 20% ever go after those very basic needs. They somehow just stymie at belonging. I want to know that I've got food. I want to know I've got shelter. I want to know these things. I also want to know that I'm going to be safe in my home. I, I know that I belong now to a group, and then they just, this is good. 
And they never grow past that. And yet the need is still there. I need to be motivated about who I am. We like to say, I know who I am. I know who owns me. I'm a body member of Christ. I am a part of his body. I'm a son of God. I'm a daughter of God. I belong. But in that, what part of the body am I? Am I called to be an eye, a foot, a liver, a fingernail? Whatever it is, I want to know who I am. And in that, I want to know how I can give back. Because again, if you just live to yourself all the time, you never learn how to be generous. You never learn how to be benevolent. That every thought you have is, what am I going to get out of the deal? If you never learn how to give love as well as receive love, you're going to live a miserable existence. It isn't just enough to belong to a church. It's getting to this place of, Lord, I'm going to pray. I want to know who I am, how you see me. You formed me in my mother's womb. You established me. You put things in me. I, I haven't discovered. I had a lady tell me this weekend. She knew we had gone through life on purpose, and she said, I found my purpose, and it was just this week. This is a woman in her 60s, and she said, I can't tell you the difference it has made. I know why I am here now. Now, some of you wouldn't sign up for what she'd signed up for, but she's working with children, just a few number of them that have challenges of ADD and ADHD. And the patience that she has to work with him and to see just those moments that all of a sudden they have a good moment. She said, I can't tell you how I feel. I've got to pour into their life. I've got to do something to help them. Can you hear in that description the motivation that lifted her? Do we really want to wake up every morning like, I have no idea what this day is going to hold and I really don't care. I'm just going to eat, I'm going to breathe some air, go to bed tonight. That doesn't sound like much of a life, does it? Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and have it abundant. To have a purpose in life. So with that, I want you to turn with me to one of my favorite passages, John 15. And once again, looking at this thing. As we look together, it's the beginning of verse 1. Just stand with me as we read God's Word together. I'm going to read the first 11 verses. I am the true vine, Jesus says, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes it away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the Word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. And the branch, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. And whoever abides, and I see that words over and over and over, in me, and I in him, it is he that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch, and it withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me, 
seems like there is a, a word there that must be important. And my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. And by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. And so you prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Before you're seated, just say these words, Lord, I want that in my life. Make it a confession. Turn around to one other person and say, I'm glad I'm here today. As we look at this picture, those of you streaming, if you can't see it, this, this vineyard is a picture that in your mind, I want you just to realize that's just a bunch of people out there. As we go back, and the reason this was such an incredible teaching by Jesus is his first audience knew exactly what he was saying, not only agriculturally, but he was speaking to a nation because that is the picture of Israel. Well, I thought it was the shield of David or the star of David was the symbol. Oh, but you've got to go much further than that to see the image of Israel. It is the nation. It is people. Matter of fact, through archaeology, they're finding again, discovering coins in their digs of the Maccabean era. And guess what's stamped on those coins? It is the vine. It has been their image all along. We understand that even in the temple, on the, on the gateway to the holy place, it was the great golden vine etched and stamped into that archway. It's who they were. It was their full identity. As Jesus was giving this teaching that still speaks to us today, it especially spoke to them because, again, they, it's just like saying, hey, you, I'm talking to you. Where today we may just say, well, that's a nice imagery. I like the metaphor of life. No, it's much, much, much deeper than that. Again, we understand that Every time that the Old Testament prophets spoke of the vine, they were always speaking from a contrast position. As they were talking about the vine, they always had to talk about it was an image of degeneration. In other words, decline. That something went wrong with the vine. This is part of the responsibility of preaching the gospel. is uh, making us understand. How many knows all scriptures breathed of God? And it's profitable, what? For, for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction. It's the same thing these preachers, these prophets were called upon to speak to a people and said, something's wrong with the vine. Something's going wrong. The vine still has life, but it's showing where. There's... There's decline in it. 
It's not being groomed. It's not being taken care of. Wow, does that sound familiar? Maybe my life isn't where it needs to be. Maybe something's gone wrong in my relationships. Maybe something's gone wrong with my covenant with God, this degeneration. And the thing about the vine is this. It is in constant need of treatment. It's constantly being watched. These prophets would speak and basically would tell the people, you're still a vine, but you're getting wild. (laughs) You're running wild. You have growth that's not prospering you. Man, is that good or what? How many times has something else been germinated in our life, and at the time it seems so innocent? It seems like it's just a thing. And before we know it, it has grown into something that's sucking the life out of me. Ooh, can I hear a big amen on that one? How did it get there? Why did I let it start in my life? Every one of us have had situations like that. A person came into our life. A situation came into our life. An attitude came into our life. And I can handle it. But here's always the thought. It isn't my original thought. I heard it many years ago, but it always kind of speaks to me in a moment like this. How many knows that Goliath wasn't always nine foot tall? He started off as a baby. At one time, Goliath was manageable for anybody. But Goliath grew up. We have these Goliaths that show up in our life. There are these things that get involved. I don't know how many of you experience what I do, but I'm always taking care of property. I'm always taking care of cutting the grass and sh- trimming the shrubs. And all of it. where in the, I didn't plant that. That weed over there, I thought I just pulled your head off last week. And now your head's bigger than it was last week. And you get trimming some of the stuff, and as you get cutting into it, that's not all just shrub. There are six other trees trying to grow up in that, and two other species of shrubs, I have no idea what they are. So if I just take my hedge trimmer and groom it, shape it real nice, oh, it'll be fine. Oh, man, it's a preach. And within a week, that which was the original shrub is still groomed well, but what is this other stuff growing out of it? And it's growing at a faster rate. Oh, come on, somebody. You mow the lawn, it all looks great for about two days. And because there's six different species of grass growing up out there now, it's just this. Is this speaking to anybody today? The vine's grown wild. It needs attention. But not only are those trellises important, But what we probably haven't paid attention to, that's as important as anything, is the soil. Where have we been planted? The Bible tells us we're a planting of the Lord. Trees of righteousness. But it's the soil. The soil, even in this picture here, we we know these vineyards, many times they grow the vines on trellises. Sometimes they grow them just hovering the ground. When you look 
over the topography there, it looks like it's just growing upon the land itself. But if you look closer, it'll just be these little forked stakes that keeps the vine itself lifted. This is why he said, you're already clean. He was talking about the soil. He's talking about what you've been planted in. The soil's good, and the vine is true. But the branches, as they grow, they drop down into, again, the soil. And that's why you have to keep it trimmed. So that not only you're trimming the the growth, but you're also making sure that the soil is cared for. Oh, come on, somebody. This is why we abide in his word. We abide in his presence. This is why we abide in fellowship one with another. This is why we abide with somebody that will encourage us. We abide with people that will speak truth into our life. That's why we have elders. That's why we have individuals. That's why we have mothers of the cross. That's why we have women of faith speaking into our life. That's why we have men of God speaking into our life. We need these treatments constantly. Because there's always growth, but is it good growth? And here's the part we don't really like. Those branches, yeah, they're still in that vine, but they need to be pruned. And we don't like being pruned, do we? I've got so used to this thing growing out of me, don't you dare cut it off. Well, it's ugly, but it's my ugly. I've grown accustomed to that growth. But it's not benefiting you. Man, come on, somebody. God, search me and see if there be any wicked thing in me. Search me. Because your word is so true, if I abide, it's about abiding. It's about my life being centered in you, abiding in you, anchored in you. It's all about you and me. These other things that come along, again, just sapping our strength. On our property, I planted some pappas grass. They haven't had plumes in 10 years, just struggling to survive because the neighbor had some other things growing that just took off. They were trees, of course, cedars, and they were unhealthy. But even in their unhealthy state, they sucked every bit of moisture out of the ground for themselves. Well, those were all taken down a little bit over a year ago. When you come down my drive now, you see the most beautiful grass, pappas grass, and got more plumes than a marching band going down the football field. When I drive by there, those things talk to me. See, you think I'm crazy. I'm going to explain to you how crazy I really am. I drive by there and I hear them say, thank you. Thank you. We just feeling good about ourselves. There's a message in that. They're feeling good. Why? Because now they have reached full potential. 
They had been starved. They had been neglected. But the vine dresser said, I'm going to do something about it. We've got to prune this. We've got to prune that. We've got to go back and treat this. And it may be painful in a moment, but one day... I like how Paul put it, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time will not be worthy to be compared to the glory that's going to be revealed in me. As we're going through the process, if we can just remember, you know what, everything may seem like wrong, but I've got to ask myself one thing, am I abiding in him? If I'm abiding in him, it's going to work out. Oh, come on. If I'm abiding in him, there's nothing that's going to come into my life that he's not aware of it, and he's watching over me. He's able to supply every need according to his riches and glory. As long as I'm abiding, I'm going to make it. You're talking about motivational. Yeah, I'm going not only to have my needs supplied, I am secure in him. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Yeah, I'm secure in him, and I belong to him. Wow. And in that, I want to know who I am. Why would you put me here? What would you create me for? Am I living to my full potential? You see why I love this passage so much. When you go on down, he said, you got to understand this. You think you chose me? I chose you. And when I chose you, I chose you with purpose in mind. And I've chose you that you succeed and that you prosper and that you blossom. And I'm going to put you in position, if you'll trust me, to live to your full potential. Man, I don't know if it gets any better than that. I don't believe it does. To know that he's fashioned my days, to know that he knows what he's put into my life, Whatever age it is that I learn another thing about me, another thing that he's put in me, I didn't know that was in me. How many of you have ever been impressed with yourself? Isn't that a good feeling? Oh, I'm not talking about conceit. I'm talking about being impressed with yourself. Have you ever got, handled a situation and you're like, man, that was good. Well, hang in there. Now, come on, I'm going to get down here where we are. Cameraman, I know, I scare you to death when I do this. Look at God the Creator. What did He do at the end of each day? He looked at that which He had created and said, Man, that is good. <laughs> Motivating for the next day. Well, you think that's all good. Wait till tomorrow. Finally, he created us. And it's good. Wow. There are times I work with my hands to create something. And I just, I don't, I don't need the applause of people. It's nice when you get it. But it's that thing right there.
I think I'll go home now. Now I'm going to look at it one more time. Those times in our life where you realize he's ordered my steps today. He put me in the path of this person. How long has it been since someone turned to you and said, thank you. Thank you for talking to me. Thank you for reaching out to me. And you're walking off, and on the outside you're doing this, but on the inside you're strutting. <laughs> but why? Because you made a difference in somebody else's life, a creation of God. And in that moment you realized from point A to point B, he used me Amen. as an instrument of grace, as an extension of who he is. Sometimes it's the words we speak. Sometimes it's no words. It's just your presence. Sometimes it's that helping hand. Sometimes it's grabbing that wallet out. And when they're saying, oh, you can't afford to do that. Oh, you have no idea. I'm sowing some good seed right now. I know the soil on which I'm standing on right now. You think I'm losing right here? Uh-uh. I'm sowing good seed in this soil right now, and it's going to come forth good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Yeah. Abiding in Him. It's a win-win, folks, when you stay connected to Him because He answers our prayers, and we glorify the Father at the same time. Carrie, if you'll come to the instrument, please. But here's the, here's the byproduct as well. And this is where I start again praying, God, where are we in this season of life? Where are we as a nation? Where are we with the multitude of voices speaking to us of negativity? And he said, but you've got to remember, I gave you a joy. And it's his joy. This joy that I have. This joy that I have, he gave to me. And not only did he give me his joy, but notice what he shared with us. That your joy may be complete. That your joy may be full. That your joy may be more than what you expected. Every day we live in the horizontal. Every day we're walking this terra firma. We are dealing with jobs, paying bills, caring for our children, playing with our grandchildren, meeting a new client, stepping out on a new venture, having someone defriend us on Facebook, someone turning on us Someone accusing us. It's a mixed bag of circumstances every day in the horizontal, isn't it? Some days you wake up and before you realize it, you say, I didn't feel good yesterday, but I feel good today. My health is good. I'm not cramping like I was. I don't have the headache that I had. I had a teenager get on my bus the other day and she'd been off for a week. And finally, the first time I really got to talk to her and I I said, if it's none of my business, but you've been out for a week, are you okay? She said, I get migraines. A teenager. 
I started to share with her of experiences that I've watched other people go. I said, do you have to turn the lights off on her? And, just every, and it was like, oh, you understand that I have to go to this hole and I can't handle anything sensory. But someone understands. This girl that never had talked to me in a year and a half driving her to school, or home from school actually, she just rides the afternoon, she gets on the bus. How are you, Mr. Randy? Someone connected. So this horizontal is every day. But here's, here's what we can't forget. The vertical gets involved with the horizontal. When we're abiding in Him, that which we pray, He says you will have what you're asking for. The vertical intercepts the horizontal. Come on, somebody. Stand with me.